welcome to the Mind Tales podcast. We are a fast-growing tech mental health organization here to bring you the insights that you need to boost your emotional health and thrive in your daily life. It's our goal to make quality mental health care both accessible and inclusive. That's why part of our mission is to get discussions, conversations, and debates about mental health going. From psychiatrists to educators, entrepreneurs and community members, we bring you the stories and experiences of health advocates from around the world. And that's what we're going to do today. If you like our episode or have any suggestions for future content, please like it, leave a comment, or connect with us on Instagram at MindTalesOfficial. It makes us so happy to hear from the MindTales community. Dr. Dina, welcome to the Mind Tales podcast. I can't wait to hear more about your personal journey, your passion towards biology, leading classrooms, and also your role building the public health department at Abu Dhabi University itself. So for those of you meeting Dr. Dina Elsori for the first time, she is a wonderful associate professor of biology at Abu Dhabi University and is also an associate dean within the College of Health Sciences. So Dr. Dina, the warmth that you radiate towards your students to build communities of support and encouragement is, is something that I've heard so much about, um, and I'd love to, to dive into that with you. How would you describe your personal journey and tell us more about what excites you about being an educator? Well, good morning, um, Raisa. First of all, thank you so much for having me this morning. Um, I'm so pleased to take part of the Mindstale podcast. Um, and I'm so pleased to share my own personal journey. It's the first time I don't have to prepare for an interview or <laughs> um, which is really nice. Um, I mean, you kind of summed it up. So uh, my life, uh, you know, there's a lot happening. And um, how did I start or how did I find my pathway? It, it's funny, I've never literally sat down and planned any of this. Um, I grew up in a very, very healthy environment back in Kuwait. Uh, both of my parents are physicians and pediatricians. So um, education was something that is not an option. I mean, we grew up knowing that it's something we all need. It's a tool to make us move forward, um, to make us stand out in the community. So the support definitely and the, the, the template for that setup was there throughout my life. Um, very um, successful parents and very, very supportive. Um, ended up uh, going into biology. I mean, at high school, I knew that I loved science, but out of all the sciences, the chemistry, physics, it was biology. I mm -hmm. fell in love. I said, I need to do more of that. Ended up joining a program um, in, in molecular biology and genetics. And that's where the journey started in science. I was about to graduate and I thought, that's it. You know, I'm going to start looking for a job or... Yeah um see what's out there but for some reason towards that last year i felt i needed more i wanted to learn more i wanted to be more focused i don't want to be just a biologist i want to specialize and the area that i was very fascinated by was um, cell biology looking into the cell how they function what happens in these cells because a lot of the time we we'll look at the organs and the systems but what is it inside the cells that could go wrong right that could problems and so this is when i thought no let me look at programs and that's when I got accepted in a wonderful program at the Cleveland Clinic in Cleveland, Ohio, in cell biology, um, which really focuses mainly on um, how cells function or what could go wrong in heart disease and atherosclerosis. Never stopped, never took a break. It was continuous. Um, I didn't even get a master's. I went to a PhD straight away. Um, 
And at that point, I, again, the passion for science just grew and grew being in the lab, doing experiments. Um, I've also met my husband towards the beginning of the journey in the United States. So I started my, um, you know, um, my marriage and my PhD at the same time. Right. Um, easy. It wasn't easy, but it was a nice shift that I felt like it was a big jump for me because I was living with my parents in Kuwait, very sheltered, very supportive, but all of a sudden I've got a home of my own. Mm -hmm. I've, got a, I've got a husband. And then four years later, a child came in the picture. Planned. I wanted to continue in the United States, but having that, you know, our first son at that time, Khaled, it was difficult with no support system, um, mm -hmm. no family being in the United States. So, you know, it's not home. Um, this is when we decided to come back to the Middle East. Um, obviously, home for me is Kuwait, where I grew up. My parents are home for my husband's here. He's originally, he was born and raised in the UAE. So there were two options. Ended up coming here 11 years ago. I joined Abu Dhabi University and he joined ADNOC and we've been with them for 11 years now. Right. And would you be all right sharing a bit more about your professional career at Abu Dhabi University itself as a professor and educator and the unexpected development or evolution of your leadership experiences that took you in a way that you weren't expecting? Yeah, so um, interesting. As I said, I thought I'm just a scientist, but then moving to Abu Dhabi University, um, I was given a huge responsibility. We, 11 years ago, Abu Dhabi University did not have a single science course. We didn't have a department of science. We didn't have anything. Wow. So I coming in, um, and literally, it was a brand new dean, and I, and I thought, I'm, I'm coming to join a team. I was literally the first biologist at Abu Dhabi University. Um, I came in and um, I said, okay, so where do we start? They said, this is the space. We need brand new labs. We need biology, chemistry, and physics. We need you to start teaching biology courses, start ordering books. We need you to start writing a program in public health. I said, what? You know, I was like, I'm a fresh um, graduate with a PhD degree who literally never even ran a class. But I thought it was a challenge. I said, you know what? I'm young, um, I've got a lot of energy, and I'm very excited about this opportunity. And this is literally when I felt the love for education. I still remember stepping into the, you know, my first lecture at Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi University, full class, 40 students, and this is when I fell in love literally with, I said, this is the place for me, I, I, a classroom. It's the students, the, the sharing my knowledge and sharing my passion for what I do is um, something I still love every, in every class and every moment in everything I do, you know, everything. But then what's funny is something I didn't know about myself at all was I had some leadership skills as well that people saw me. Never, ever thought about this. You know, typical scientist in a lab, good teacher, but then a leader, that never crossed my mind. Literally two months after I joined Abu Dhabi University, I was still in my 20s. I was one of the youngest professors. I was 26 when I joined mm -hmm. as an assistant. Um, you know, I had students that are older than me in the classroom. So our dean comes up to me and said, Dina, I'm going to, I want you to be the chair of the new department. I said, what? He said, yes, you're going to take the lead on this department. There's around 14 faculty. I want to, and then this is when I'm like, oh my God. I came back the next day and I told my dean, I still remember Dr. Philippe, he was um, French. And I said, I'm not, I can't do this. He said, excuse me. I said, it's too early. He's like, you know what? I respect your decision. And I'm glad I didn't take it on. By the third year in Abu Dhabi University, 
I had understood everything, the yes. system, the way things work. I understood the faculty. I understood we have so many different nationalities, right. so many different cultures, but I, I understood all the people around me. I, the, the, it was a brand new dean who said, I want you to be the chair. You're wonderful. You've got great communication skills. You know what you're doing. You're so organized. And this is when I said, I'll do it. And I, so from a coordinator of a program, I became a department chair again. I think it was around 15 to 16 faculty members um, across two campuses. I was the youngest, mm -hmm. um, all of them, the least experienced. And then from that, it continued to, I became the associate dean of the college a couple of years ago. So that went up and it was just a natural um, progression. I never applied for any admin role. It always came to me. It really sounds like you've worn so many different hats throughout your career. And you're a mother of young children. You're a professor, an educator. And like I was mentioning before, you're also a quite a strong support system for the students at your university. And in that sense, you're also a mental health and self-love advocate and so much more. So how did you undertake these different pathways and where do you find your identity within them? A lot of individuals in similar positions really struggle to find what feels true to them, especially when you're young and you're growing through and experimenting with all of these different roles. It can be tough to manage your own expectations versus what's expected of you. So how did, how did you do that? Yeah, um, it's, it's a very good question. I think I still get this from my own students. You know, how do you do it or how do you manage? You know what, Raisa, it's so funny. Again, I, I still don't have a, a, a direct answer to this. I never planned any of this. And I never think about it. I don't say, oh my God, how can I do this? Yeah. Um, I feel everything just happens naturally and you either deal with it or you don't. So, I mean, being a mother, it was obviously something when I got married, that was the first thing we thought about. Obviously, we wanted to have family and have kids. So motherhood um, is something I always wanted um, and I wanted to experience. And I've always felt that it's the first priority in my life, no matter what it is, as important as my career in education, but these two boys are very, you know, they are number one in my life. If I decide to have kids, I need to make sure I'm there for them. So that came just naturally, being a mother and being there. Um, at the same time, I wanted, I, I tested myself. I wanted to see if I can do all of this. I didn't say, a lot of people would sit and say, okay, now I have kids, I need to take a break. And I said to myself, no, let me see if I can continue. But always had in the back of my mind, if it's gonna get to a point where I'm gonna neglect work or neglect the boys, then I need to really focus on one of them and make sure that I'm okay, you know? And I've always said to myself, I always go part-time I can always you know sit at home for a year but luckily I think you know again just not thinking about it too much I, I, I managed to do um, all of this um, you know trying to balance as much as possible being at home with the boys after work I have this policy where if I'm home there's no work I used to come home from work and that's it between 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. till they go to bed I'm with them you right. know if there's homework if there's anything they need me so they know and, and work knows that I completely shut off if there's anything urgent I can get to them after eight or the next day so I've always and I think planning your day is very important prioritizing is very important you can't do everything now the other roles I, again it comes 
if I didn't enjoy them so much, I think I would have stopped or I would have complained because again, it brought me so much satisfaction being in the classroom as an educator, being a researcher, being a supporter to a lot of the young people, especially at the university. It brought me so much joy that it was never a burden. Is it tough? Absolutely. Yeah. Do I get to the point where I'm like, oh my God, I'm done? Absolutely. You know, yeah. but, um, do I, which pathway do I enjoy? I think I enjoy all of these pathways, all of these roles, because I feel they bring the best out of me in different ways. So I would choose one of them. Obviously being the mother is something I would never want to replace or substitute, but also my role as a, in, a, in my career as a, as a woman is also something that brings me a lot of happiness and joy. So no, I mean, I enjoy every single one of them and I think I will continue this way. Right, right. I think it's so important that we also don't minimize the fact that it's not easy. And I'm grateful that you brought that up because it's so easy to watch other role models or to watch other, uh, just other individuals within their own realm of careers and personal life and think they're doing it all, but yeah. not acknowledge that they too also feel Sometimes that stress or that overwhelm that comes with juggling so many responsibilities at once, but understanding where your motivation comes for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And so within this ecosystem of supporting um, young adults and students, if we could go there for a second, you've, pro you've provided key guidance by getting to know your students both within but also beyond the classroom. And it's clear that you've created this safe space where your students feel comfortable asking you for advice and asking you for support. And as a young adult, it can be so helpful to have somebody with experience share their perspective or at least be another voice inside your own experience. So why, why is that important to you? And how do you think that that dynamic boosts your students' ability to learn and to thrive in your classroom? And this is extremely, extremely important. And I'm, I'm so glad you brought this up, actually, Raisa. Um, it's funny, uh, again, I've never promoted myself as a psychologist or a counselor. I come in a classroom that, that, like any other faculty or professor, teach what I have to teach, the curriculum, biology, basic science. Since day one, I still remember, again, 11 years ago, I still remember in every single class, we would finish this, always that one student that comes to me after class, talking to me about a personal issue. In my office, I wanna tell you when we're back on campus, 80% of the time students come to my office not for academic issues for personal issues whether it's relationships whether it's abuse whether it's depression whether it's anxiety whether it's um uh, not coping with everything so there's always there's that it's always that personal you know issue i've never announced that you can come and talk to me you know obviously i want maybe they sensed it but i was never like oh you know by the way my door is open if you have any personal issues never but it was only natural, especially young females, always coming into, I know so much about their life that I don't think anybody at Abu Dhabi University yes. does. Even at some point, boy, men, boys were coming to me. And I felt, you know, the, the joy that such population is trusting me made me so happy because I think I know a lot that their own families don't know. In a culture, in the Middle East, I'm sure a lot of us are aware of this, there is that stigma about talking about your personal issues or your mental health. And the fact that these young people are coming to me and telling me things that are very personal mm -hmm. and I can't do much, but they want me, they want to be heard. 
And I think that gave me a lot of, again, I was content because at least I was able to listen, maybe yeah. guys. But then of course I wasn't, I'm not in, I'm not authorized to give any professional advice. I'm a biologist at the end of the day. But at least I was able to say at some point when I felt like, no, they needed help. No, you now you need to go seek counseling. You need to see a psychiatrist, you right. know, listening. And so that came always naturally to, you know, in my classrooms, they always wanted to talk to me till now. I mean, oh God, the past year throughout the pandemic, the amount of one-on-one um, that I had the students just to make sure I'm there for them. I'm here to listen. I mean, I can't reach them. We can't go out, especially at the beginning, but I'm listening. And I think, you know, that made me feel so happy at the end of the day because I was able to help some of them yeah. or make sure they're okay, you know, make sure we're, we're listening. So it gave me, um, you know, helping others and, make, and being there for others makes me very happy. So I think it's a two-way, um, you know, satisfaction. So, and I think going back to your question, how is that important? A lot of us as professionals, as academicians, we always think about the academic part. As students, we have to think about their well-being. If they're not supported emotionally, socially, spiritually, I think it will affect their academic performance. Yeah. It's our role to also be there, if we can, to make sure their well-being is okay. Yes, the academic is our academic is our priority as academicians, but at the end of the day, if they feel you can help them in other areas, why not? So if we're gonna help them get to the end point of their degree and get careers and start their families, we need to support their well-being as well. And that's the way I look at it. It's not just, again, making sure they do well in my courses. Are they, and this is the question I ask them every um, class, even now, I get in, I say, good morning, how are you? And then I hear, I'm like, well, how are you guys doing? Are you okay? Yeah. Not wise, are you guys doing okay? And it makes them feel good, you know? And, and, and the feedback that I get afterwards is very rewarding. Yeah. The letters and the emails thanking me of how much support, how without me they wouldn't have made it, that really makes my day. I mean, it's the most rewarding part of my job, honestly, just seeing how much they appreciate the little things that I do for them. Right. Right, I love this integrative approach to student wellness. I think it's so incredibly important, especially now um, when there's this, it's so easy for students or those suffering with um, mental health disorders or even just coping with personal challenges to really just slip through and, and be isolated and go about unnoticed. So creating intentionally those challenges of communication, I think is, really admirable and very much needed. And from what I understand, Abu Dhabi University itself has also has uh, invested in its own happiness course now, like so many other universities. And these courses actually have the tendency to be so popular among students because it's teaching students the core skills of relationship management and happiness and these core pillars. So can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, so um, it was a couple of, I think it was three years ago, and I think I was kind of the initiator of this idea as well, just seeing how much our students needed support and that there's not many of us as faculty who are willing to sit and listen to them. We have one counselor for the entire university. I came up to my dean and I remember telling him, um, we need a happiness course. Let's make a, 
introduction to happiness and positive psychology course where it's going to be a must for all public health students, obviously part of their study, but an open elective for the rest of the university. Right. Whether you're an engineer, a law student, business, um, finance, come and take this course. And I, and, I, and I wanted to make it, you know, graded. I want them to, you know, register, take it for graded and be part of their curriculum, not just something, you know, they come and attend. I wanted to make it more of a commitment. And believe it or not, I mean, the difference it made to our students, the counselor called me up a, a semester after course. She's like, Dr. Dina, a lot of students are coming to see me. They never used to. What is going on? And I said, I think it's our happiness course. Yeah. Feel comfortable. It's okay to talk about your problems. And I think the whole idea of the course is to, you know, get the best out of them. It's about gratitude and appreciation and about you know, the difference between happiness and pleasure, little things that no, nobody knows. Right. Great. Great. I can't wait to read more about this and actually check it out. Um, before we go, we have one last question for you, and that's to hear more about your self-care habits. So if you could just share with us three of your top favorites, uh, self-care habits that you engage in when you're investing in your mental health. Yeah, so I think um, number one would be, and, I, and I, I never used to believe in this, it was a reason that I started, um, I meditate, and now it became part of my life. Meditation is something I do on a daily basis, um, and honestly speaking, it made a huge difference. Um, I'm calmer, I um, deal with situations that are stressful in a much better way. It really was a turning point. I never believed in meditation. I really thought it was just something that people talk about. But when I honestly started practicing it, um, it's, it's just now essential. It's like praying for me, but praying is a form of meditation. Um, so, you know, whether it's breathing techniques, whether it's self-soothing, I do yoga as well. I try to do yoga twice a week. So that's number one, and I would highly recommend um, if really someone who's anxious, not knowing how to deal with their emotions, I personally thought it's very helpful. It doesn't take much time. So that's number one. Um, number two, interestingly, um, is um, the self-help. Um, I've been doing a lot of that, the podcast, listening to anything that I find. I've downloaded the app, anything I find interesting, anything I can relate to. Okay. I listen to podcasts. I don't have time to read books, physical books. So what I've been doing lately, read, uh, you know, listen to these audible books. Yeah. I've downloaded apps. So a lot of these books that I wanted to listen to that are soothing, I listen in the car while I'm walking. They've helped me a lot, a lot of reflection. Um, you know, I, I read a lot of self-help um, stuff as well. So I think a lot of people don't underestimate, oh, what are they going to, like my son, I was just telling you earlier. Yeah you know, what is this going to do to you? Why, why do you listen to someone? Why do they tell you what to do? You, you know, you already know all of this. So, but they, I think obviously as a child, he doesn't understand that when you hear about other people and what they've gone through and what, how they handle it, it really makes you, um, it makes things much easier for you and it helps you. Um, so a lot of self-help and I would highly recommend starting to listen to some of these. And nowadays a lot of stuff was, you know, um, paid now it's for free i've noticed especially during the pandemic there's a lot of free seminars um linkedin learning is something that is available with tons of things um podcasts audible books so we need to take advantage of being online and having access to all this free stuff so that's number two i think it really helped me emotionally and mentally um the third one funny enough i think people find me crazy i love to dance i love zumba yeah i love really dancing and i know not a lot of faculty and professors do that 
I do go to Zumba classes at least twice, two or three times a week. Wow. Um, I do um, Bollywood dance, I do Zumba, and I do belly dance. And again, the stress relief and the happiness um, that I feel is incredible after the class, you know, and around a group of ladies who are there also just to have fun, great music, and I just come home and it just gives me that great energy. Yeah. I mean, obviously, physically it's important, but I think also it's helping me mentally more than physically. So this is really my three top, I think, um, self-care. I do like to take care of myself. I go to the salon and spas. I don't... <laughs> I like to take care of my hair. I know sometimes crazy, everything happened around me. I'm like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm just going to go do my hair or do my nails. So I think that helps as well. Sometimes we tend to forget to take care of ourselves or our image because we're so busy with our kids and our jobs. But I think if you feel good about how you look and how you, you know, that your makes you feel good. So I've been definitely investing in that as well. I do make time to get massages, to do my hair, to do my nails. Um, so that's um, definitely what the way I've been handling I mean, everything happening in my life. It, and it's been helping me a lot. Right. It's so important that you've touched on different pillars of well-being. So breaking down self-care is something that we really try to do as well in terms of spiritual health, physical health, mental health. It's not just one. Um, there's many different domains under that umbrella term. So I love that you pointed that out um, by giving sure. us great tips. Thank you for that, Dina. Most welcome. Most welcome. That's it from us today. We're so thankful that you took the time out to chat with us and I cannot wait to keep collaborating in the future and also stay up to date with your work at the university um, and also just with all of the wonderful projects that you've been working on. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you for having me today and looking forward for our further collaborations. It was my pleasure to be with you this morning. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Mind Tales Collective. If there were any questions that stood out to you, don't let these conversations stop here. Share your thoughts with your family and friends or send over a quick message to us on Instagram to share your thoughts with us. And don't forget to hit the follow button. You can find us at Mind Tales Official. We know it's been a tough year. We want to remind you to check in on how you're feeling and ask for help if you need it. Remember, self-care is more than a band-aid. Your mental health is important. Stay tuned for more content next week. Take care and talk to you soon.